Well, hello. Uh, I'm Greg Lauderback, anyone who doesn't know me. And uh, I have been given the privilege of uh, carrying on with Pastor Dan's uh, midweek Bible study in Second Timothy. And so uh, I uh, appreciate Dan allowing me to do this. And uh, he's spending time with family uh, up in Ohio. And so uh, just uh, hoping he's having a great time. And uh, we're going to spend some time in God's Word today. Uh, in Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, and uh, he assigned me to look at verses 1 through 9 in uh, chapter 3 of Second Timothy. So we're going to look at those verses together. Um, let me uh, start us off with a word of prayer, and then we'll just jump right in. All right, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, we thank you for um, your goodness to us, Lord, for this day. Uh, that you have made, we'll rejoice and be glad in it. And uh, Lord, all the blessings that we've already enjoyed today, and now just to be able to be in your word, um, we pray for your Holy Spirit to to guide and uh, Lord, apply these things to our hearts and our minds and our lives uh, so that we can uh, better serve you. And so we pray that you bless our time together in your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, uh, Pastor Dan has been has covered two chapters in Second Timothy, and uh, just to get the backdrop and uh, know sort of where we are here as we begin today's study, um, we know that at Second Timothy, uh, Paul is uh, reaching the end of his life. He's in prison in Rome, awaiting his execution, and. Uh, he is offering words of encouragement uh, to his, uh, as he calls him, his son in the faith, uh, Timothy, who will be taking up the mantle of uh, Christian leadership. And uh, so it's a, it's a letter, uh, we might say, passing the torch from Paul to Timothy. And uh, uh, so in words of encouragement and instruction for, uh, for Timothy. And we have uh, already, we've seen some some passages that we're already uh, that we're very familiar with. I thought of a few that just sort of sum up everything that Paul has said to Timothy up to this point. Uh, chapter one, verse seven: God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Because we know that Timothy uh, didn't have the same personality as Paul; he was more timid, and uh, so he was uh, needing that boldness. Uh, to carry on the work of Paul. And so there's that word that we probably all have heard and know. Um, I think a good summary verse is chapter 1, verse 13. Uh, what you heard from me keep uh, as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Um, Chapter 2, verse 1, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. And um, he gives the analogies to Timothy. He's saying be uh, faithful like a, like a soldier. Um, be diligent and hardworking like a farmer. Be disciplined like an athlete in your ministry uh, of the gospel. 
uh, be a, a workman approved uh, by God. Remember that verse in chapter 2. Uh, Verse 15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. So these are the kinds of instructions that Paul has been giving Timothy. And uh, when we come to chapter 3, verse 1, the heading in in my Bible, I'm looking at the NIV today, Um, this section is headed, uh, Godlessness in the Last Days. Uh, Paul had already told Timothy, uh, encouraging him to to suffer with him. Remember that? That uh, there would be suffering involved, there would be persecution. And when Dan continues in chapter 3, there's going to be a lot more about what Timothy is going to be encountering in spreading the gospel. Uh, But here we have uh, a picture of uh, humanity uh, in the last days, and so let me just read this passage, and then we'll jump into it uh, a little bit verse by verse. Paul says to Timothy in chapter 3, verse 1, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power have nothing to do with them. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over weak-willed women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these men opposed the truth, men of depraved minds who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected, but they will not get very far because, as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. All right. So this is a uh, this is a difficult passage. Uh, we are being uh, given here a picture of uh, lost humanity, sinful humanity, and um, why is Paul? Uh, Paul, why is Paul saying these things uh, to Timothy? Uh, well, we might say he's. This is a reality check for Timothy. He's. Uh, uh, he might be saying something like, uh, "Timothy, here's what you're up against. Uh, this is the environment that you will be uh, in. This is the world that you will be in. The world of lost humanity. This is what people are like." Uh, and the detail um, strikes me. Uh, Paul could have just said, uh, "Timothy, uh, you're going to be running into some bad people," <laughs> you know, and left it at that. Uh, but as I studied this passage, it's just like the length of it, you know, the detail, all of these uh, attitudes and and 
characteristics, behaviors of uh, sinful men, um, it's it's well, it's just it's striking. It gives us a picture uh, of of what sin has done to us and what uh, what men have become, and as he says, will become in the last days. We'll talk about that. So uh, let's break it down and look at it. Now, we're not going to have the time. You heard that list of uh, things that uh, will mark men in in the last days, and we're not going to be able to look at those in detail. Uh, It would be a great study uh, to take each one, and each one has lots of parallel passages in the Bible where you could do studies on, on these words and expand on it quite a bit, but obviously it's too long. Uh, we'll pick out a few and talk about them, and uh, that's probably about all. We'll, and we'll try to get the big picture, try to get some applications, some takeaways from this passage that we can use. Uh, verse 1 is is just introducing uh, what he's about to, to say, but mark this. Uh, everything he said uh, up to that point, now he's this is a break uh, be aware of this. Um, there will be terrible times in the last days. That's chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, one translation, I think, said perilous times. Um, and so that that's, again, uh, this is not going to be easy, Timothy. Um, Men are going to oppose you, and uh, here's a really ugly picture of what these men are going to be like. Um, Terrible times in the last days. Now, the last days is a biblical term. It doesn't necessarily mean uh, the very, very latter days uh, right up against the time of the Lord's return. It really is... uh, um, a term for the entire time of uh, Christ, from his birth um, to the church age, the day that we're in now. And then, of course, we're told uh, that things, as, and this will be in next week's lesson, I believe, he's going to be saying that things will go from bad to worse. So things are going to get worse as uh, we approach the time of the second coming. Uh I think it's interesting that uh, you know, th- that term, the last days, in Paul's mind, the second the return of Christ was uh, uh, imminent, and here we are, two thousand years later, and uh, these last days have extended now for two thousand years, and we don't know how much longer uh, they are going to extend. But that really encompasses the entire period, the time that. Paul was uh, speaking of the time that Timothy would be ministering in the first century church, and here we are 2,000 years later, and uh, I guess we could read this list and say, well, men haven't changed much, Um, but this is what what Timothy will be up against uh, in the last days, in the days, his day and our day, as we await uh, the Lord's return. And so then what follows in verse 2 is this uh, very lengthy description uh, of people. And uh, we will look at some of them, and, uh, and then we'll, again, we'll, we'll try to draw some applications from these things. Um, people will be lovers of themselves. Um, 
And so um, we would say people are going to be uh, selfish, um, maybe even more selfish, more self-centered as time goes on in these last days. Um, and being only interested in themselves, they're not likely, Timothy, to be very interested in what you have to say. And I think this whole list, uh, maybe the long and short of this, is that uh, if this is what men are like, then they're not likely to be receptive uh, to your message apart from uh, the working of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And so being dependent on the Holy Spirit, uh, only only God can change people like this. Um, and so lovers of themselves, um, you know, it occurred to me that uh, love of self is not, is not all bad. Um, the great commandment tells us to love our neighbor as ourselves. So in the same way that we love ourselves, we care for ourselves, we, uh, we take care of ourselves, we look out for our interests. Um, but the great commandment is saying that we are to look after our neighbor and care for our neighbor in the same way that we naturally take care uh, uh, and care for and have concerns for our own welfare and well-being. Uh, do the same for your neighbor. Uh, heard that great message on uh, the Good Samaritan from Kevin Ward this past Sunday about love of, of neighbor. Um, so what's different here? Uh, obviously, this is presented as, as a lover. I would say lovers of themselves. Men will be lovers of themselves uh, so, uh, solely and alone uh, and not lovers of their neighbors. They will be totally preoccupied with themselves and their own interests. And we definitely see all of these things uh, in our culture, in our society, in, in the nature of, of things today. Um, so men will be characterized by selfishness. Um, lovers of money, in other words, they will be greedy Again, money is not all bad, but you can do a great uh, Bible study, word study on money and, and greed. And uh, money is, the, is not evil in and of itself, but it is the root of all kinds of evil, God's Word tells us. And uh, we see uh, all of the horrible things that greed leads to. Um, I saw a movie uh, the other night. And again, our time is going to be limited. I can't go into too many side stories, but I saw a movie that, uh, I mean, it was a secular movie, but it sure did have a strong message about greed. Uh, these men were out hunting. Three men were out hunting. Uh, it was winter. They were in the snow. They came on an airplane uh, that was, uh, they could barely see the outline of it. It was all covered in snow, and they got to looking inside that airplane, and it Obviously, had been there for a pretty long time. The pilot was dead, and they found a sack of money in that airplane, um, over four million dollars in cash in that airplane. And so they had this discussion about what do we do, you know. And of course, the first uh, one of them was a little more virtuous. He said, "We have to call the police. We have to tell." Uh, you know, we have to disclose this. Uh, we have to tell somebody. We have to turn this in. It's not ours. 
Um, it would be stealing. And then they said, you know, they st- began to rationalize uh, all about it. Now, it wouldn't really be stealing. It would. We, we don't know who it belongs to. Maybe it doesn't belong to anybody. It, it, uh, it's probably drug money or something like that. It probably could never be traced. Um, and no one would ever know. Let's just divvy up this money. And so uh, the long and short of it is that they made that decision to uh, to keep the money. And the whole rest of the movie, this was at the very beginning of the movie, the whole rest of the movie was how their lives just began to unravel uh, because of that decision. And as it played out, they became... Uh, guilty of actually murdering several people who who were going to uh, expose them. Um, they were at each other's throats. Their um, One's marriage fell apart. Every, every, their whole lives uh, just completely unraveled. And it actually gave a pretty good picture of uh, what greed leads to. Um, so... Uh, men will be lovers of money, and don't we see that um, in our culture today? Uh, let's some of these quickly boastful and proud. Look at those together. Men will be um, um, arrogant. They will be exalting themselves, and of course, pride is that root of all sin. Really, where we put ourselves in the place of God, and um, so men will be boastful and proud, abusive. Uh, one translation says they will be blasphemers. They will be abusive toward God. They will not fear God. Um, disobedient to their parents. You know, that kind of jumped out at me because it almost seems a little out of place. Uh, but it lets you know, I think maybe just me, but a first tendency is that here are all these horrible things uh, that men are and men will be. And this almost seems out of place, you know, children being disobedient to their parents. But um, the lesson there, I I would say, is that God takes uh, disobedience to parents uh, probably much more seriously than than we do. Um, as parents, when we see that sin nature coming out in children. Uh, and we see them beginning to be disobedient to us, uh, that needs to be addressed. And a lot of problems that, that children uh, later have in their lives is because this was not addressed <laughs> when they were children. Um, if anyone who is still under the authority of their parents would read this, it would be a strong word to say, wow, that God really takes that seriously. You know, it's in the command, honor your father and your mother. That's the only commandment with a promise. So just the fact that that is in this list, I think is, is, uh, it means a lot to, to God to put it there. And so it's a sign of, of the godliness, godlessness in the last days that men will be disobedient to their parents. Uh, children will. So this extends uh, even to children. Uh, let's look at a few more. Ungrateful. In other words, not acknowledging. That goes with being boastful and proud. Uh, men will think that they have what they have and, and that their blessings are of their own doing. Uh, that they've uh, succeeded by their own efforts. Uh, 
and leaving God out of it, not being aware. You know, the Scripture says, what do we have that we've not received? That's, that's the biblical perspective. We, whatever blessings we have, uh, we need to turn to God and give thanks. But in these days, uh, we see that men will not give God his due and uh, thank him for the blessings. Think about what you, how you are blessed every day and how even unbelievers are blessed every day. Um, what we call common grace, uh, just to, just the health and uh, strength and the family and, and uh, work and all of the wonderful blessings and much of humanity does not give God any thought of gratitude. Uh, unholy, um, unholy, they will be profane. They will be worldly. They will not be uh, have their thoughts centered on on uh, the holiness of God. They will be irreverent. Uh, the Bible says the fear of God was not in their eyes, and so uh, that will be an attitude uh, without love. Uh, that seems really general, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, love without love. God is love, and, and uh, you hear a lot about love in the culture today, and we're told here that in um, among men, they will not, they, will, they won't know what it is. They won't have it, um, the agape love, that selfless, sacrificial love. They'll know nothing of that. Um, unforgiving, um, holding grudges, uh, vengeful. Uh, slanderous, speaking bad of people, um, without self-control, brutal. And I know I'm glossing over these now, but uh, each one we could spend a lot of time. Uh, you could do a word study on these uh, or look at parallel passages and and uh, expand on these a lot. But uh, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, Um not appreciating uh, what is good and right and admirable, um, but just the opposite. Uh, treacherous, that's uh, unfaithful, betraying trust. Uh, rash, <laughs> uh, rushing into sin, or uh, rash we might think about, uh, quick-tempered or headstrong, um, conceited. Yeah. So again, the detail and even what we might call redundancy, boastful, proud up earlier and now conceited, we'd say, well, that sounds like the same thing. Just always remember when you're in Scripture, uh, Paul's uh, speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit here, and there's a reason why all of these words are set apart and separate, why this list is so long, uh, why he seems to be saying some of the same things. It's uh, really pounding this home. <laughs> to us and to Timothy and to us now um, just how how bad uh, men are in the last days. Uh, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Uh, boy, that doesn't that have a lot to say in our popular culture today. Um, having a form of godliness but denying its power. There's a phrase you've heard, um, and 
What is that saying? Um, men will appear outwardly religious. Um, there's so much spirituality being um, written about and discussed, and and men are trying to appear spiritual, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. In other words, it's not real. In other words, men will be hypocrites. Uh, they will be outwardly religious, but there's no reality. The Spirit of God is not at work in them. Uh, the power of God is not there. Um so much of what is said and written and preached and um, today, you can go in any bookstore and the, the spirituality or the religion section, it'll be a rows and rows, bookshelves full of books. Um, but so much of it denying the power of God, which only comes uh, through the scriptures. Uh, have nothing to do with them. That's, this is at the end of verse 4. Um, and I think that deserves a second look because, uh, we might say, well, obviously Christians would be told, uh, to stay away from such people. But then by the same token, uh, Paul has just said in chapter two, uh, that we are to, um, be kind to everyone. Look at, uh, up at verse 24 of chapter two, uh, able to teach, not resentful, uh, gently instruct, and so, uh, and we know from the whole counsel of God all through the Scripture that Christians uh, we are to engage people. That is, uh, that's uh, evangelism, uh, winning people to Christ. You can't do that if you um, have, no, as he says, have nothing to do with sinners. Uh, that's going to make that sort of difficult. So obviously, that uh, there's more meaning to that than just shun all people because they are evil. Um, have nothing to do with them. I think uh, if you take all of the scripture together. Um, you would say, uh, don't be influenced by them. Uh, don't be drawn in to their way of thinking. Um, not to shun them or avoid them, because we know we can't uh, spread the gospel doing that. Uh, so it would be more having nothing to do, or maybe, and again, you get into some in interpretive issues here. Maybe he's just talking about that as last uh, set of people, the ones who have a form, the hypocrites. The ones who have a form of godliness but denying his power, uh, really stay away from those people. Um, but we know, looking again at the whole Bible, that we are to engage. And so um, having nothing to do with them doesn't mean shun them, avoid them. Maybe it has a little bit to do with, like Jesus said, you know, uh, if someone's not receptive and the Holy Spirit gives you discernment, into whether you are to engage and how you're to engage. And sometimes you see that you are up against someone who is not receptive. And uh, as he said, you know, you shake the dust from your feet and you go to the next uh, opportunity. Uh, sometimes that happens. Maybe that's what is, is being said there. All right, let's move ahead because uh, I want us to get through and have some application at the end. Uh, they are the kind who worm their way into homes. Uh, this is a little bit difficult to interpret here. What is he talking about? I think maybe this is more tied to his culture. Um, men were 
what seems to have been happening was that we know now in that culture that women did not have the status and the opportunity that they do today and that uh, many men would take advantage of them. Um, and so these men that he has been described, people he has been describing, perhaps these last ones who have a form of godliness, they're going around teaching uh, religion, maybe even even a form of Christianity, but denying its power. And they're taking advantage of the weak and the vulnerable, um, which in that culture many times would have been women. Um always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth. In other words, these teachers and these vulnerable uh, women who he describes as being loaded down with sins and swayed with all kinds of evil desires. Um, So taking advantage of the vulnerable and, uh, you know, always learning, uh, just uh, head knowledge, um, never uh, acknowledging the truth. that's uh, that's an indictment of those that uh, just want to to learn just to know the facts and maybe to be able to argue, to be able to persuade people, to be able to use people, manipulate people because of the, the knowledge that they have of Scripture, uh, but never getting to the truth, which centers in love and service to each other. Um, so... Uh, the comparison to Janus and Jambres, uh, and you go back, those are the magicians who uh, of Pharaoh back there in Exodus who were able to mimic the, the miracles of Moses. Uh, it's interesting that, they, that they're brought up here. Um, just as So these men who uh, uh, perhaps the whole description of mankind, but I think especially those who are uh, hypocrites and who are um, taking advantage of, of vulnerable people. Uh, he's basically saying here they're going to come to their um, Janus and Jambres. You know, for a time they were able to uh, do what Moses was doing and uh, mimic that, and but it wasn't real. The power of God was not in it. And we know that eventually they were not able, they came to the end of their power and they weren't able to do what Moses was doing. So he says, you know, just like them, so these men um, oppose the truth. Um, He says uh, they will not get very far. (laughs) Janus and Jambres didn't get very far. I think they got through three or four miracles. And then I think when it came to the lice, they weren't able to duplicate the lice. I don't know why. Uh, But... um, so as in the case of those men, uh, their folly will be clear to everyone. Um, so it's a, it's a difficult passage, um, but Paul saw fit to describe uh, humanity to, uh, to Timothy as a warning, as a, as a reality check, as a, uh, here's what you're up against, Timothy. This is what men are like in the last days as we await the return of Christ. And uh, so for us today, I, um, I was looking at some things that we could take away. What do we do with this? Uh, what, do we, what do we make of this? Um, the direct application is just as Paul was saying to Timothy, uh, the Holy Spirit would say to us today as we seek to engage the culture, know, uh, know who it is that you're engaging. Know what we're up against. Um, know the, know the uh, 
what it is that we're that we're dealing with uh, when we're dealing with sinners, and uh, they're not just a little sinful. They're not just a little bad. Uh, they are, and I think the length and detail of this description is to say they're really, really bad. They're very bad, and and so in evangelism, I think the reality there is that we say you're not going to change people like this. First of all, know what you're up against, but know that you're going to need only the power of God is going to change uh, people who would be described like we're hearing here today. I think a second takeaway would be uh, just a dose of humility because we have to remember uh, and realize that we're sinners too, uh, that we are in some ways, uh, in many ways, uh, this is uh, a reflection on who we are. Um, we are all prone to all of these things. Look through the list and um, you'll see things that you struggle with. Um, we are all prone to all of these things. We have tendencies in ourselves. Um, so, you know, the first uh, impulse might say, be to say, well, aren't other people really bad? <laughs> this, these other people are awful. And God would, uh, I think, check us there and say, uh, this, is, this is all of you, um, not just other people. And so... Uh, Maybe the Holy Spirit would, would, as you read over this, you would see and be convicted and uh, things that we need to work on, some tendencies and uh, places uh, in that list where we say, well, I, uh, I'm not through dealing with that. There's some of that in, in all of us. Um, and then finally, um, I think if we take all of these things, this is the uh, as it's called, a vice, there are several vice lists in in the scripture, and this is one of the longest and most detailed. Um, but it gives us a picture of what we are apart from Christ, and we can take each one of those and we can turn them around and uh, pursue the opposites as as virtues. You can take each one of those, um, which is sort of what uh, what. What Paul is going to do here, because he after after all of this, what you'll see next week is he'll say, "But you, you Timothy," he'll say that several times. You know, this is this is what uh, you're going to be engaging out there in the world. This is what people are like. But you, you know, you have been changed by the power of God, and so each one of these things can be turned around to uh, to an opposite that we would pursue as a virtue. You know boastful, proud, be humble, um, lovers of, of money, don't, uh, don't, don't be greedy. Um, so every one of those has a, has a potential virtue. And so uh, beginning next week, Dan will, um, will turn all of these things around to instruction for Timothy uh, with a strong, uh, this is what men are like, but you. And we are called to be Everything uh, that is not in this, the opposite of, of what, uh, of these vices, we are to pursue the opposites of these things because we have been changed by the power of God. So those are, those are a few things that we can take from this passage. And Dan will pick up there at chapter 3, uh, verse 10 in the next lesson. So I appreciate uh, being able to teach today and let's close with a word of prayer. 
Father, we do thank you for this word. Lord, it's a hard word. It's a um, it's, it's hard for us to to see what uh, what we are and what we have become in uh, because of sin. Uh, it's hard for us to contemplate what the world is is like, the world of people, as we try to engage them, Lord, with the gospel. Uh, but we know, Lord, that you give opportunities, that you're at work in people's lives, that you've uh, taken our lives and changed them, and you can change the lives of even people that might be described as, as Paul describes men in the last days in this passage. And so we pray uh, that you would give us those opportunities and the power of the Holy Spirit and that we would see changed lives, men who once were like this but then uh, become uh, what you would have them to be. And so we thank you for your word. Just, uh, Lord, we know there are many ways that you take your word and apply it to our hearts and lives in ways that that, um, we might not even anticipate. And so we pray uh, that you'd take this word and use it in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen.